Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in again. Welcome to another episode of Something for the Turbo. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe. And as ever, please make sure you pass the pod. Spread the word. We really appreciate any help you can give us in terms of helping us grow the podcast. Having said that, today's episode is, for some of you, potentially a little bit controversial. We're going triathlon today. I know what you're thinking, triathlon and a cycling podcast, not exactly what you'd expect to tune in and listen to. So who are we speaking to? Well, I caught up with the CEO of X-Try, Stuart McInnes, about their 14 amazing endurance events in some of the most spectacular and challenging terrains in the world. It is triathlon, but not as you know it, as they seek to create stunning experiences that are far beyond the athletic endeavour. We discuss the synergies and the movement with what we're seeing in the cycling world at the moment, and Stuart points out that many of the athletes competing aren't from traditional triathlon backgrounds, with many, many of them from road and mountain bike cycling backgrounds, drawn to the raw and wild challenge of the event. You've probably heard of the Norsemen. We find out a lot more about that and all the events that they do. The insight into a new sport was fascinating for me. So without further ado, let Stuart open your eyes to the world of X-Try. Stuart, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? How's sunny Sweden? It's sunny. There you are. There's your answer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Another nice We're- warm day. Absolutely. Where, whereabouts in Sweden are you based? Uh, well, how, do, how well do you know Sweden? Because everyone that asks me that question doesn't know what the answer means. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And I thought I, that might be the case. I am a near, well, the biggest town that I'm near is called Jönköping. Okay. It's one of the many Sköpings in Sweden. And it's okay. fairly, fairly central. It's it's uh, it's near Gothenburg, but it's between Gothenburg and Stockholm. Very good. Bit of geography for me there. We actually have quite a few Scandinavian listeners, uh, both, both on the on the on the platform and also listeners on the podcast as well. So. Okay, good, good. Well, don't ask yeah, me to speak they will Swedish. Be more familiar. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Look, I, I did a more formal introduction before we um, got recording, just with regards to to your background and X try and stuff. And I wanted to basically just sort of ask you to tell everyone a little bit more about the organisation and yourself and your background. I know that historically cycling and triathlon may have a sort of mixed relationship but you know from the conversation that we had the other day I think X-Try there are so many synergies with what with regards to Unfound and what I'm trying to do with that in terms of community travel experience building resilience athletic endurance and just that whole experience piece which you don't tend to get with sort of or I think cycling cyclists believe you don't tend to get with traditional triathlon so for those people that don't know I'm sure everyone knows of the Norseman but maybe not but why don't you tell us a little bit more about the series X Try and yourself? Yeah, well, obviously the Norseman is the uh, is the famous one because that's the that's the original X Try event. Um, and anyone who knows who's heard of the Norseman, it's been around now since two thousand and three, so it's a it's a fairly historic event. Uh, and that that's where this sport orig- originated. That's where it was invented. Invented by some guys who had the vision to make triathlon or take it back to its basic form, really. Um, so it, it's you, to remove all the. Uh, sundries if you like and all the baggage that comes with triathlon and take it back to something that's really a basic within nature in the natural environment a natural race course this kind of stuff and i think that's why it gels with with what you're doing because a lot of your stuff is travel focused and and um, and cyclists like to get out there and experience the countryside without too much faff yeah, uh, if you exactly. ignore the getting dressed part of course <laughs> no of course oh, yeah we like a bit of faff around getting dressed but it, i suppose it's it's sort of embracing the the natural topography of of nature and and the world as well as sort of the endurance 
Science piece. Precisely, um, and I think that's why our courses vary. Uh, you know, people will will say our courses are Ironman distance. They're not. They're just they're just similar to Ironman distance. So, so they're long long distance races. The distances are not fixed because it's not possible to do that without creating art- artificial parts of the course. So they follow the natural topography, the roads that are available, the hills that are available, and so the the, the distances vary a little bit between races, which is great. And they make for some amazing content because they're in spectacular places. But I, I think let's go back a step because I think we're assuming that most people have heard of the Norseman. I think I think there will be listeners that are absolutely acutely aware of it. And I think there'll be some people who never even heard of it. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that event and then we can sort of build it out. Let's start with the T-shirts. I mean, the the T-shirts have become synonymous with the event, and it's it's the ultimate achievement, right? That's Absolutely. The, so that that was the point about taking it back to basics. So the Norsemen came from a concept of, in a nutshell, there there weren't many triathletes in Norway back then 20 years ago so they wanted to try and encourage uh, Norwegians and and for some reason they had a focus on German athletes as well they wanted German athletes to come and race in in Norway uh, and not just Germans to come in camper vans that's a whole different sector so they created this very basic race which which is difficult and in a, a, a kind of tough environment so they swim in a fjord after jumping off the back of a ferry a ferry they, they ride this incredible uh, road bike across the Hardanga fjord and then they climb up a mountain at the end uh, the t-shirt model came from let's make this more about finishing than about racing and um, so so the t-shirt is a finisher t-shirt um, right. and it's become it's become <laughs> a very sought after item because it's difficult to get right yeah absolutely yeah and once people get a Norseman t-shirt and only 160 people can get it in each race there's 160 allowed up the mountain after that there's a cutoff and no one else can get up they can get a a different finisher shirt there's a lower course so there's a black t-shirt and a white t-shirt but the black one is the coveted top of the mountain t-shirt and 160 people a year can get one so how many from what i understand a ferry goes out very early in the morning into the middle of the fjord and everyone gets chucked off the back of it how many people are starting and and how many t-shirts you know the 160 t-shirts but how many people are on the start line Uh, 250 so, so 250 okay. is the, yeah, it's a, it's a small race. All of our races have a maximum yeah. of 250. Uh, and that's to keep it small and intimate, yeah. precisely. precisely. Yeah. And they don't actually get chucked off the ferry. They get encouraged <laughs> to, to jump. Okay, uh, fair enough. Encouraged and, and ridiculed horribly if they don't. Yeah, uh, so they, they jump off the bat. How, how long's a swim for that one? It's 3.8K, so it's a full distance swim. Um, but okay, the, the cool. temperature of the water is pretty low. You know, it can be 12, 13 degrees in that in that fjord. It's, it's not very nice. And that's perhaps something that for your audience is, is alien, the swimming. But if yeah. you can get, if you can take your mind out of cycling and, and splash around in the fjord for, for an hour or two, <laughs> then uh, well, then you get on your bike and off you go. It's funny. I mean, I think a lot of cyclists, probably in this this era, a lot of them probably started with triathlon and then moved, moved to cycling and stuck with cycling, or they just haven't done it. But the, the type of athletes you have on the start line for your events, are they traditional triathletes or are they more just endurance athletes? Or do you get a lot of cyclists wanting we, to do this because of the, the challenge? Uh, we get everything. And I think that's because of the, the course lends itself to so many different types of sport. You know, you, you have some of our, our um, runs are mountain runs. So for for experienced trail runners, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. Lots of the roads in our races have have famous climbs in them and, and incredible roads through the Alps and, and, you know, Brazil and everything has something to offer different types of athletes. So we've seen adventure racers, mountain bikers, trail runners, traditional triathletes, Ironman triathletes, all sorts yeah. of people, uh, and even people who've decided that this is their first event, which is completely nuts. But we don't, yeah. we don't 
discourage that. We just make it clear in the in the race details that you need to be aware of how difficult these events are because they're a, they're a tough day out, and to choose it for your first event is completely mental. But people do yeah. it and they complete it. <clears throat> oh, I kind of love that. That's absolutely mad. So yeah, it's it's so it's sort of non non traditional in, in that regard. So obviously, the Norseman's the, the most famous one. I think you you got twelve now, have you? Fourteen now. Yes, two uh, now. Yeah, fourteen okay. because we have we we run what's called prospect races. So as as we grow the series, then we we add prospect races which are test races so including them at the moment there's 14 although we just uh, announced a new one yesterday which is in Corfu next year um, for the oh, great wow. market oh, so beautiful. yeah absolutely yeah. so so this is the point they're in incredible exciting places and that's that's really the point because you could you could create a triathlon in your backyard if you wanted to but if you put it in somewhere special like this particularly small places it creates a community feel not just for the athletes but for the local people as well and as time goes on you create local communities and local support and, and it becomes a, a feature of the location yeah that's nice isn't it and, and another feature of, of the races you do and forgive me I'm starting from like a, a low bar of, of knowledge uh, of the sports but it is, is the teamwork element you, the athletes have someone along with them don't they t- t- how does that work tell us a little bit about that yeah quite quite simply because again we're going back to the basic nature of it the 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 um the organizers don't provide aid on the bike like uh, and generally not on the run leg either. So the athlete will bring a supporter with them and often a support team. So they have a car for the bike leg, which they meet every 10, 20, 30K, depending on how they define their own strategy. That's up to them. Yeah. And then because they do that, that creates a real sense of camaraderie during the day. And if they bring their whole family, then they've got that support and those memories are created. And, you know, all the cliches are there for, for yeah. creating something that's memorable for a long, long time. And then most of our races, not all of them, but most of them have a support run element. So we encourage them to have a section in the run, usually towards the finish line, where they need to have a support runner for morale, but also also for safety, because some of them are in mountainous environments. So uh, they'll they'll have a safety kit and a safety runner to make sure that everything's okay. Okay, it's I, I like the concept of making it more of a team thing, and and I think I, I can't stress enough for those of you that haven't sort of come across the event the events when Stuart said they're difficult I mean I mean they are brutal uh, endurance endeavors aren't they I mean they, they are they, they are and, and that adds to the to the uh, excitement I mean if I use the, the Scottish ones as, exa- as a, sorry <clears throat> as an example because the weather in the northwest of Scotland where our event is is totally unpredictable I mean Scotland has a reputation for having shitty weather we get that right <laughs> yeah. I've grown up with that shitty weather we just get on with it but yeah. in the west coast particularly it can change every five minutes uh, and we have an element in the Scottish race where the, the the run goes over a mountain or goes over two Munros actually and we've had to close that mountain and prevent the athletes from going up during the race because the weather gets so bad so that's oh, wow. something that's an unknown about the race that they before they go there if that happens there's an alternative lower course uh, for yeah. them to do so they still get a hard day out in the hills but we have had to close that because it gets so windy up there, particularly that you can't even stand up. So it's uh, it, it's crazy. Apart from the difficulty of the race, the environment's difficult too. And and how how long, as you said, the Norseman was set up in 2003. How long has the series been around as a concept in terms of a, a range of, of events? Well, the first the, the first race to join Norseman as a kind of brother or sister uh, was the Kelpman, the Scottish race, which was 2012. And then 2013, we added a Swiss one. And then from there, uh, the concept began to develop that we should create a, a tour from this because there's, yeah. there was more and more interest from from 
particularly from people who'd come and done those races, they then go back to wherever they come from and say, we could replicate this here. It would be incredible. So that's yeah. how the, that's how the series began to grow. So it's obviously a new concept. I mean, I, I certainly personally feel a, a lot of synergies with regards to the movement we're seeing in the cycling side around sort of bike packing and, and, and gravel riding and a move away from sort of traditional road or not necessarily move away, but just the encouraging the diversification or just think of these things as cycling per se rather than categorizing them or just endurance events per se you know if we we bracket both of them in are you starting to see like obviously we mentioned off air you've got a fantastic community evolving now and it's it's probably a little bit pretend less pretentious than your sort of traditional more well-known triathlon are, are you seeing like are there sort of a couple of standout athletes that are sort of focusing on these events now that are becoming sort of legends within the x-try sort of arena uh, there, there are for sure yes yeah. there are athletes who really focus on because the other thing they have to remember is as a pro athlete that yeah, they don't earn any money in extra so it, um, yeah. to have people who focus on this is is uh, unusual and unexpected but yes there are a number of people who are definitely moving through the circuit the one that stands out immediately is Flora College who's a, a girl who's she's English claims to be Scottish lives in Switzerland I, I never quite figured it out but she's um, she's an incredible athlete loves this sport loves this concept and uh, comes yeah. to as many of our races as possible and wins them amazing so yeah, she's amazing. not just doing it from, from an interest perspective she's actually very very good <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. And and do you feel, you know, that that when I mentioned the, the sort of the movement in cycling towards gravel and, and bikepacking and being sort of a, a little less pretentious and a little bit sort of more open and community spirited, is that what you feel with your events as well compared to, say, I don't know, Ironman events and stuff like that? Do you feel that it's a bit more inclusive and supportive? And I, I think so. And I, I think so. And I think the, the movement, as you say, there's exactly the same thing we are seeing in, in our races uh, from a triathlon perspective. So not all of our courses, but many of our courses are actually more suited to a road bike than to a triathlon bike, just because of the, the terrain and the hills and the difficulty. And, and, and obviously, they have the choice to use whatever they like. But the community base means that uh, some of the online forums for example that that have been going for years and years for particular races there's now years of knowledge in there for from people who've done the races so because every year you get the same questions you know should i use a disc wheel should i use a tt bike what gear ratio should i use all this kind of stuff comes up every year but now we have people to answer those questions um so they have this kind of self-policing element we don't have to answer those questions all the time Uh, and if you want to come to the west coast of scotland and use a disc wheel be my guest (laughs) but you might end up somewhere else (laughs) yeah uh, yeah well you could get lucky i suppose with the wind you could get lucky you could get very unlucky and another new event is in brazil isn't it is there um, yeah we have a, a, a yeah we started that we did a prospect race for fodax man um in december which uh really nice race because some of some of these races are even smaller than than the existing ones uh they only have a field of 100 because of its uh national park that it uses at the end that's all they're allowed so that creates an even more intimate field um yeah and just a beautiful course. And they have a climb in there called the Serra de Rio de Rasto, if I could pronounce it correctly, uh, yeah. which was recently featured in Cyclist Magazine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's completely nuts. It's like a Swiss Alpine climb, but inside a canyon. So yeah, you, you, yeah, you can lean over the edge and drop a penny and it will go to the bottom. It's a really, really incredible place. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I've been quite surprised by just discovering the the size of the community in, in uh, Brazil as well, the cycling community. I'm sure the same as triathlon as well, like it's a real massive. thriving... Yeah. Yeah, huge community there, and they they love it, and it's a spectacular country. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> without a doubt. And I, I see that you have the Stelvio on in, in one of the races as well. We do have the Stelvio, yes that 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 old favourite. 
Um, and they go up the hard side. The hard side I, okay. I can't say they go up the back side. I can't get away with that. <laughs> no, no. Um, but no, that race has five Alpine passes in it. The that's the icon extreme try the the Italian one. There are five five Alpine passes in that one bike section. So five thousand meters of climbing, uh, as well as your swim and your your run as well. It's crazy. That is crazy. So so five five thousand meters in what like a hundred eighty k. Hundred eighty k. Yeah, correct. Hundred eighty k. Having swum three miles or something or yeah it's, it was 3.8k in in, uh, in, in an alpine then, lake so it's cold as well cold as hell and then what does the run hike look like at the end of that then well because they're masochists who organize that race they they then give the athletes a, an incredibly hard run as well which finishes at 3,000 meters um so. <laughs> so and how long is that run like a marathon yeah 42k yeah yeah absolutely 42k yeah Having cycled 180 with 5,000 meters of climbing, and how how much climbing in the run? I can't remember the exact figure for the run, but it's a it's a lot. It's not flat, is it? It's not. No, but they have to get to 3,000 to finish, and and of course they're not starting at sea level, but it's still a, a, a significant climb. So much so that actually last year the the guy who won it had been a professional cyclist in the past. So he yeah, so he he knew those roads and he knew the Stelvio and he battered through that bike. Uh, and he he came in nearly two hours before the guy in second place. Wow! I mean, it's just the time scale between them one was incredible. Yeah. And then after well, that, I, they began to trickle in. But th- this guy had obviously just nailed the bike so quickly that. So I mean, you've got to be pretty fit to, to even take to the start line of of these races. But for example, that race, give us an idea for the you know he finished two hours ahead of anyone. What what sort of time was he finishing, and and what was what sort of time was last place finishing? Yeah. So even he, as as a fast guy, was. Uh, uh, 12 and something hours 12 I can't remember the exact time but uh, over 12 hours really fast though to, to do that yeah that, but that's the, and that's a, that's one of our I don't like to say more difficult we don't want a, a rivalry between courses but that that race if you base it on finish times has one of the longest finish times uh, because the Norseman can be done in under 10 hours just but most of them were looking at 12 hours for a a fast time, and then the average time is about sixteen hours. Okay, that's that's it's okay. a lot. It's quite a yeah. spread, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and where, where's the future? Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna continue to to roll these events out. Do do you see the format of them changing them? I mean, do you see that you know that the the bike leg could end up being like a mountain bike leg, or do you think you know what what? Or you got a formula you're sticking with it, and what what's what's the plan? Yeah. The, the, the... This does this does come up, up a lot. We, mountain bike wise, if we were to do that, we'd be into Xterra territory immediately because that's that's what they do these long distance events using mountain bikes. Yeah. So we don't want to be that because we are we are we did come from triathlon. That's what we are. Uh, the only thing we have considered, particularly in our our Swedish race, was suggesting the the use of gravel bikes because one of the problems yeah. in Sweden, which is common to parts of North America, Canada, is that lots of the the main roads are are gravel. Travel, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So to find yeah. a, a tarmac bike course in Sweden was actually quite difficult. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we have an incredible course up there, and it's really nice. It's a wilderness course. But if we introduced gravel bikes, there is an incredible course that we could have that, that has 40K of gravel in the middle of it. The rest of it's tarmac. Um and it's something that's on the table, but we have to we have to consult with the athletes on that one before we before we make a move like that. I think. Yeah, um, interesting. Is that that brings in all sorts of dynamics, I suppose? Then people might want to use a, a hard tail or or road bike. Yeah, but they still have to do the rest of that distance. Or, so the, the rest yeah, of that that hundred forty k would be on the road. So it's it's still a big road, lump okay. of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, just on a, on a personal level, would you consider doing dropping the swim for any of these events? No. <laughs> 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 Not a chance. <laughs> 
Not a chance, yeah. Is is that the the biggest hurdle though? You so obviously you say you originally came from triathlon. You got a lot of triathletes looking for a little bit something a little bit different. I suppose is probably your main pull. But but for people, as you mentioned, coming from road bike or or mountain bike or other other disciplines, running whatever. Do you is it the swim that's the biggest sort of hurdle for people find? If they're not used to that, then then yes, it is. <clears throat> but. You have to remember that, that these events generally don't have cutoff. We allow people to finish them within the time they can finish them. So we don't say, oh, you got to 17 hours and, and then you're not allowed to finish. That doesn't make sense. So uh, although we do have safety cutoffs, so the swim, for example, you're allowed two hours, 15 minutes. Now, even a very slow slimmer swimmer can do that distance in two hours, 15 minutes. So if they came into the, to the race, uh, not an experienced swimmer, not so confident in the water, they can still get through it. They can still use the diesel engine to get through the swim and then jump back into the Ferrari on the bike if they want, you know, uh, and because they'll be still passing people all the time. So, yes, it puts them off, but it, it's, you know, I know you're cycling focused, but no, we're not getting rid of the swim. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I have to say that I, I open water swimming is actually very cathartic. It's actually hugely enjoyable, isn't it? Uh, depends on the temperature. <laughs> depends on the temperature, but I, yeah, I think it's the for me it's the it's the it's the going down to the pool and doing laps of the pool. I think it just reminds me of a kid, the smell of the chlorine, and I just I don't know, just being made to go swimming as a kid. I swear that's what it is. It possibly, and actually, something about our courses as well is they're not like traditional uh, races where you would jump into the sea and do a swim round a, a buoy and come back again. They're all they're all or mostly point to point, so they're they're they, they, Every part of them is a little adventure, even even the swim, and that makes it a bit more exciting. Okay, so you've got to go from A to B, essentially. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes it a little bit psychologically easier, I think. You think so? <laughs> uh, what, what about yourself? Obviously, you, you've got a triathlon background, haven't you? No. No? <laughs> You're not allowed to ask me that question on the podcast. No, I have a triathlon background, but a business triathlon background. I am not okay. any, any sort of triathlete, but I did used to run a triathlon store in Edinburgh uh, many years okay. ago. So that's that's where the connection comes from. Okay. Uh, I, and actually, yeah. interestingly, no, but interestingly, wait, I, as a triathlon retailer, we sold mostly road bikes to triathletes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the proportion of triathlon bikes was very, very small. So that, that does tell you something. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, what, what's your, do you cycle? Do you swim? Do you run? Do you, what's your vice? Your, your sanity keeper? Well, you, none can, of the you can see me, you can guess. <laughs> no, I, 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 my only sport is cycling, but I'm, I'm not competitive at all. So you can edit this bit out if you want. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not about being competitive, is it? That, that's no, the whole no, point, it's just right? about actually riding your bike. I was filling in your form on the uh, on your profile today in, in the site, and it starts asking actually, me questions yeah. like, how often do you ride your bike? It doesn't have an option for once a month. <laughs> well, at least you're rested every time you ride. I'm very right? rested, yeah. <laughs> it's a long taper between rides. It's a long taper, yeah. It's the kids' fault. It's a, it's a long taper. And how how has COVID affected things? Have, have you guys been okay? Because it's super tough for, for events during this time. Yeah, we've postponed all of our events so far. The first one we're planning to run is September 12th in Montenegro. But everything else up to that point from the first ones in June all the way through have all been postponed until next year. So we haven't been able to run anything. Uh, we have had some some virtual series on the go, which is actually not virtual at all. We've been encouraging people to go out and, and ride and run and swim and then report the results to us but only to use a trainer where absolutely necessary <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah and um, so montenegro september that's that's a magic part of the world isn't it that's, that is really the best word for it yeah. montenegro is is uh is it's nuts because who's ever been to Montenegro, right? No, yeah. <laughs> and you go there and it, it, honestly i know i keep saying the same things but everywhere i go it blows your mind montenegro it's such a beautiful country it is yeah, incredible. I've heard amazing yeah, things yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. 
and yeah. so different. The, yeah. You know, it's a tiny place, but the the geography changes massively from from these amazing coasts, which are like Mediterranean coasts, right up to these gnarly mountains. It's it's a brilliant place for an extra. For sure. Yeah, fantastic. So so where where is that one of the new events? Yes, that was a test event last year. So this is the first year that it's a, a partner event of ours. So it's called Black Lake. Um and it's in the it's in the north of the country in a place called Jablak. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it actually starts in the Black Lake. So that's that's what it's named after, which is this big black pit under a giant mountain. I mean the, the setting for it is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So the amazing. Uh, it is amazing, yeah. Yeah. And then a hilly bike course. Yeah, the usual. Yeah, we don't let them off easy there. It's a very hilly bike course, yes. But beautiful, really, really beautiful. If they get a chance yeah. to look, they would enjoy it. Yeah, excellent. Well, we'll, we'll, will you send us all the links so we can put them all in the in the show uh, notes? Of course, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Check it out and have a look. So that's September. So that's the one for the year. And then you're, you're into 2021, are you? No, we still have two in South America in December. So the, the, the status of those is unknown at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're planning to go ahead, but we just don't know. But it, they don't have to make a decision just yet. We've got a bit of time to, to work that out. So we have Brazil and uh, Patagonia, Chile, uh, both in December. Amazing. That would be spectacular. Um, Patagonia is amazing, actually. We had had a, a young Chilean rider who's a uh, road, road cyclist who's part of the WCC, the uh, UCI's WCC in Switzerland. And she was talking about just how spectacular some of the some of the scenery is in, in Chile. It's amazing. So so how are you sort of communicating with, with athletes at the moment? It's just a case of, look, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know as soon as you know. And well, giving them a good few months years. notice, you know, where, where, where possible. The races that have been postponed gave plenty of notice to the athletes um, that, that, and their reasonings behind that. And we don't, we won't do it lightly. We don't want to postpone events. We want them to go ahead. Yeah. Of course, but generally understanding and supportive from everyone that's sort of yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to mention any names, but I, th- I think some events, particularly in the cycling world, I've seen have, that have faced criticism just just with regards to sort of poor poor communication. I know it's a difficult time for everyone, but I think that communication thing is key. I think we mentioned it the other day, didn't we? It's it's definitely key, and it's we we try to keep it personable or or on that kind of level of of discussion, that, you know. So yeah, so it's, it's yeah, yeah relatable precisely. And I think some the, the first event we cancelled was was the event in Scotland, and and one of the reasonings we we gave for that because this was early on in COVID. You know, we couldn't at that point people were still saying, Oh, it'll be over by June, this kind of stuff, before we we knew that this was going to drag on for a long time. And one of the things that we explained to the athletes was that even if we can legally run this, if the Scottish government allow us to run this race, we can't take a thousand people from around the world into a village with a population of eighty three pensioners <laughs> in a pandemic. <laughs> it's like so even giving them that perspective and and making them realize that we rely massively on the local community and the local goodwill that yeah. we cannot we just cannot do this it's just not not sensible at all right? and as it turned out it was impossible anyway we weren't even allowed to run events but we didn't know that at that point <clears throat> yeah well, particularly that's such a big part part of it i'm going to put you on the spot now can, can you quickly run through the 14 locations that you've you've got on at the moment if I can remember them, yeah, it's only four. You remember them? I should be able to manage. <laughs> so we, well, we do them in order of how they how they started up. I think because that's that's kind yeah, of where great. Mind. So we have Norway, Scotland, yeah. Switzerland, Canada, Sweden, Slovakia, yeah. Italy, Spain, Montenegro, Chile, Brazil. Uh, what have I missed? Morocco, uh, Nepal, Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan, I love Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. I think that's all the 14. And then we've just added Corfu and we have one more to add next year, which I can't tell you yet, but it's an exciting one. <laughs> oh, amazing. So you, there's some spectacular places there. 
Um, it's it's all as Kirsty would say, location, location, location. They are all in amazing places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Why do you think we're seeing this kind of shift towards going beyond just sort of speed and looking for an all-round experience, both with with cycling and and, and what you're you're doing with the X Tri events? What do you think's driving that that sort of that thirst for looking for something a little bit more than just going as fast as you can for the quickest quickest time as possible? Yeah, it's it. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there, there's so much now with with um, the the Instagram culture, which tends to sometimes ruin destinations because everybody goes and does the same thing but it certainly encourages yeah. and, and and creates awareness of the exciting places in the world that maybe we didn't have so much access to before yeah, uh, I haven't thought about that. And, and this year of course travels down the tubes but it, the, the the thirst is still going to be there for travel although something we always say to our organizers is that your your local cycling your looking triathlete community is as important as international you know these are international races but the brazilians in particular they had like 90 percent brazilians do that race and 10 percent yeah. international and that's perfect that's that's really really good that that because those those brazilian athletes will then have a have a taste for it and they might want to travel to one of the other races so that's really how we like to promote and grow the sport yeah yeah that's interesting and i think that i was reading a book just the other day where it's talking about how there's been a a bit of a shift just with regards to how people quantify success and actually you go back to sort of the 60s 70s and it was all sort of people so focused on iq and and iq getting a job and that success and then sort of mid 90s sort of eq came in and being sort of emotionally intelligent and now now everyone's talking about exq which is uh you know But not I'm jo- sorry, I'm joking. But like having a, a range of experiences in life can can give you so much and actually give you a lot of advantages. Not only it helps build resilience and it and it helps give you a, a tools just for your everyday life as well as what you're getting out of it. And you put you put these events in, you know, be it an X try event or a, or a week away somewhere. And they become like the sort of highlights of your year, things to work towards, challenges to sort of it just helps put, keep everything else in kilter. And given how mad 2020 has been so far, I think people are looking more and more for these kind of experiences. I think so. And also because I think particularly with our events, because they're small, when you go to somewhere exciting, and if we take Patagonia as an example, so you go down to these small towns in, in the south of Chile, and you may go, there, let's say you go there with your with your partner and maybe your kids and you have a holiday and that's great. But if you go there and there are lots of other like-minded people around, but not millions of them, then you yeah. might, you, you'll end up having dinner with four or five or six people who are there for the same purpose. And it just starts to grow the experience, to grow the memory, to create something that's different from just being a tourist you're not yeah, a tourist yeah, yeah. they're actually experiencing it and we encourage our organizers to introduce culture wherever possible into the races and to use local services local people local communities to the full without the so cliches really, we do have a bagpiper in scotland but <laughs> but that we couldn't not have a bagpiper <laughs> not quite <laughs> Um, yeah, I used to I used to play rugby. Actually, we when we played London Scottish, they uh, they they did play the as you came out of the tunnel, we used to play the funeral to march. rile you up uh, <laughs> on the backside, back, yeah, to rile you up, which is good. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and uh, like in terms of that community, then obviously you got you you got people meeting each other for the first time and 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 then enjoying a shared experience. I think we mentioned before it's a bit like my when I first did the sort of outreach. You know, you spend a, a sort of condensed time with people you've never met before. You share that experience. Are, are you fe- are you seeing the community grow? in that regard like people connecting and meeting people and staying in contact and that's 100% 100%. I mean we've seen all sorts of global friendships 
marriages, all sorts of things come out of this. Really, yeah. uh, and also there's the, there are the people who, as you said earlier, could be identify athletes. There are actually many people who have now decided that X-Try is their sport. So they move around. They, they might do one race a year. They might do more. But you see the same people at, at different events. And they, yeah, and it's great. You know, they all know they all know each other. Uh, they all know me, but I never always know them. <laughs> but I think that's just because I'm getting old, you know. <laughs> yeah, are you bad? I'm awful with names, to be honest. Which is yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yes. Especially when they're all from different parts of the world and they got names I can't remember. <laughs> but no, that that's uh, the familiarity part is is great. It's really important. Oh, it's right. part of it without a doubt. Uh, and what would you say to someone who's who's listening to this, who you know maybe has never considered doing a triathlon or maybe started triathlon many years ago and then sort of quit just to cycle and just enjoying the cycling bit, but wants to pop something in a diary for 2021 as something to work towards, something to get through this crazy time and and to train towards and have a focus to? What would you say to them about sort of? joining the X-Try family, I suppose, and and why give it a go to someone that's maybe a little bit sort of neutral about how they perceive triathlon? Yeah, well, that depends if they, because if, if they're put off by the bravado of triathlon, then that, that is something that they should forget about with us because it's, there's none of that involved. You know, there's no strutting around with, with tattoos and other crap <laughs> we, that, that anyone like that's going straight in the lock that's for sure but no that that side of it is is uh, is important the, the um, it's a friendly atmosphere it's always a friendly atmosphere all of the organizers all of our organizers we work together as as a team and they're they're all similar types of people you know even though they're from different corners of the globe and um, we have we have a similar focus which is uh, an all-inclusive non-prejudice uh, interested exciting humorous approach you know it's, it's, it's universal so you'll certainly enjoy the experience as for the sports side that's that's a personal thing so if you think you can get through this kind of um level of event uh, and even slow that's fine we don't mind people who are slow in fact the last person always gets the biggest cheer at one in the yeah, morning sure, yeah. as as that's it always cool. is um so don't be don't be put off by that definitely not and and is there something I think I saw that you do with regards to identifying sort of coaching options or just preparing people for these events if they've never done, you know, someone's a super strong cyclist but wants to give this a go. I think sometimes it's like, shit, where do I even start? Like, do you, do you, how do you help with that? Well, we have various ways to do it. We, we create little films that help people understand the support element and the way the, the races work. We also have a coaching network. So if you need a coach then and you want to do extra, then we can provide you with a coach who is extra specific or extra focused because it's not the same as training for other races. And that that includes things like how to have a supporter and how to work with the support crew as well as the technicalities of the race. So it's slightly different from the norm. Yeah, and we're also experimenting this year with a, an experience, we call it the extra experience, which will be on Mallorca early November. So it's not a race it's a, and it's not a training camp. It's somewhere in between. It's designed to give people a flavor of extra. So they come and, and we, we, we stay together in a, in a villa and we have a professional chef and some some people from the extra training network, some of our coaches will be there as, as guides. Yeah. Uh, and then rather than go out and beast yourself every day, you'll be doing a point-to-point mountain run or a point-to-point swim or a point-to-point cycle just to get a flavor of what the sport's like. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, okay, so that should cool. be fun. And, and you're still taking bookings for that? Is that I'm still taking bookings still... for that, yes, yes, because everyone's right. scared to travel, so it's not sold out yet. <laughs> no, cool. So, that, so that people can find information on that on Everything's on, on extraworldtour.com, yes. Mm. 
Okay, cool. We'll, we'll get that on there. And then um, I suppose the question that I have for you, just with regards to the sort of future and the growth of the franchise, obviously you want to grow and for it to be as successful as possible and, and for it to be in people's consciousness. But how do you retain special ethos in terms of being a sort of family community type environment and grow the sport at the same time without diluting that? What, what I mean, that's going to be a challenge at some point. What, what are your thoughts around that? I think the reason we don't dilute it is actually because the word you used there was franchise. We're not franchising our races at all. They're 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 completely independent. Yeah, I know, but that, I, I think mean, that's yeah, a good yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good point because they're they're completely independent, and I think that independent yeah. nature means that they can retain their own identity, they can retain their own brand, they can retain their own feel, they can retain their own culture, uh, and we join them together with a thread so that we have similar values and and we can co-market and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. they will remain. Um, a product in their own right and it's 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 then down so then we have a multiplication of organizers who are seeking to grow the sport in different ways so it's not got a singular focus it's got all sorts of different focuses so they have their own ideas about how to do that and that's great if they bring in new people from all sorts of different angles then ultimately they feed into all the other races yeah interesting and and do you consider it as almost like a a separate sport almost it's it's like you're trying to grow your sport base i suppose your your participation base people trying to I think I think it is. Yes, yes. We call. We, yeah. I mean, we we talk about extra rather than triathlon because it's, it is a different yeah. sport. It's um. It, I mean, yeah. And it's the demographic is difficult, and we we've tried to identify that. It's so diverse; it's difficult to identify. But it's 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 something that does appeal to a lot of different people. So it is a, a diverse demographic. You've looked into that, and there's no sort of specific key sort of areas because I think in some sports it's very very easy to identify the the key dynamic. Well, we can of- we can obviously pick out the 44 year old male from London. You know, there's always one. Of them in there some of it but <laughs> yeah that guy but no it's really really diverse what what we need to do though is encourage uh, women into the sport because it's still a small percentage however it is growing i mean we used to get four percent now we're up to 17 percent uh female entrance into the races so that, that is growing and, and we need that to grow more yeah that's that's superb and it's many, actually many people have said that women are actually much more suited to this because the focus required to do an x try is something they're more capable we're just all over the place we can't <laughs> in terms of the discipline training and precisely, the precisely precisely yes 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 exactly yeah. yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me at all to be honest with you yeah very cool that's 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 some growth though from from four to 14 17 percent yeah that's some growth but that's over 10 years so you know that's that's yeah. it does take time but it's yeah. um, it's nice to see. Yeah, long long may that continue. And what what else can you tell us about about next year and 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 plans and so forth? What what else have you got? Is there anything else? Obviously, you got the the training camp in November. What what else? You got the events all next year lined up. Fingers crossed, they can all still go ahead with with good numbers. Precisely, what, and we've what, got what, quite a quite a nice. The calendar is quite spread out now. So we so our our newer races. Um, we have in April we have uh, Corfu, and then in May we have Nepal and Morocco, all of which are new races. So that that yeah. creates a little bit of a focus at the beginning of the year because it's quite difficult to encourage our organisers just not to have them all in the summer. Uh, and okay, yeah, the summer is different in the southern hemisphere, but most of our races are still in the northern hemisphere. So we have to try and spread them out. And actually, then the conditions change, and that's okay. If it's a bit hot or a bit cold, then we do call it extreme triathlon. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, it's not about fair weather, is it? Eh? Not at all. And is there any? Do, I mean, do you have like a selection of athletes who are trying to tick them all off, do them all? There are, but they continue to complain that we keep adding races. So it's. Uh, but as we've said before, our focus is not to have two hundred and fifty races. We 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 only have fourteen. Our maximum is not much more than that. You know, it's it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not something yeah. that, that that. But there are at the moment there are not enough athletes to have 
hundreds of races anyway. Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, and we need to grow the athlete base and, and make sure that the events are, are uh, sustainable and unique. Yeah, cool. But you have got a few that are trying to trying to tick them off one by one. Oh, there's a few of those guys around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, super mad. How many a year do you recommend that people do, right? I mean, there must be these, I mean, post doing one of these events, you must be wrecked for a few months to, to go before you can go and do another one. It must really take a lot out of you. Again, it's so individual, isn't it? I've seen people do races two weeks apart in our series. Um, yeah, it does happen. Um, but I would say that it probably too, the other thing, of course, is if you're not from where the race is, it's expensive. You know, it's expensive to travel and to, to, yeah, course, to rent yeah. accommodation and cars and all that kind of stuff. So, and you need the time. So one or two a year would be a, a reasonable maximum i would think yeah because it's not that's why we don't call it a series there's no there's no ranking there's no um points gain from doing individual races they're designed to be they're they're joined together through the norseman which is the world championship so if you if you race in switzerland for example and you win or you're second then you qualify for the world championship Uh, and we also have we also have random slots for Norsemen because Norsemen now is so popular that they get 5,000 applications for 250 spots. So they run yeah, a, I, yeah, they run a ballot. There's something crazy like it, how hard it is to get in. Is there like yeah. a ballot or there's like a waiting list or something? Is there? there was no, the, the, the waiting list is based on the ballot. So there's not, there's no long-term waiting list. It's just done all at once, but every year there's a ballot. Okay. Uh, so what we do so with the other... Two- 250 that start how many ballot places in that 250 that start uh, well it, it's deducted from the world championship but they just add them onto the 250 so there's there's effectively 250 plus the world championship which takes it to about 290 at the moment oh wow okay, so cool. the, you have to deduct from the 250 things like sponsorship places and things like that so but there's there'd be around 220 places available by ballot approximately and then uh, the world so it's even harder to get a black t-shirt yeah well you have to get in the race first the yeah, yeah. In the field is, you got in you got to get in and then you got to you got to uh, compete against some of the best athletes in the world fascinating it's been fascinating in, insight to sport I, I didn't know much about other than uh, the norseman to be honest with you and it's oh, uh, yeah. I, I do feel that there are synergies in terms of community and travel and, and i love that so you know do keep us abreast in terms of new events and what's going on and we'll, we'll make sure we, we get in the show notes all your details and if anyone's interested in, in learning a little bit more they they can they can get a hold of you and and we can put your details in there they can ask you any questions that, that they may have no problem yeah all good yeah of course cool and anything else from your side have i missed anything probably <laughs> yeah i know i normally do to be honest with you but anything anything critical well i think just what we we almost stumbled on there was that our, our races also have random allocation slots for norsemen so if you do a race in slovakia and you finish it then you're there's the opportunity to to win a norseman slot just by random uh, ballot after the race so that's, cool. that's an incentive to enter a smaller race because they only have a field of 100, so your odds are quite good. Yeah. Or at least they're better than they are in the ballot, that's for sure. Yeah, now that's good to know as well. Do you have like, a, is there like a YouTube film of the Norseman that I can put in the show notes as well? Just Absolutely, yeah, I'll, I'll give you all those links. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> in, in, fact, in fact, something that all of our all of our organisers make great films. Um, yeah, because now it's a great background backdrop for content right i mean it's perfect precisely yes and i know yeah. usually they're short so it's <laughs> you can get through a couple of them before you get bored <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, we'll pop them in as well. And, and I suggest, you know, like d- do do check them out. Anyone that's listening, they, they are spectacular. And I, I love what you're trying to do. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I love well, it. Thanks so, for bringing me into the uh, the Lycra clad cycling community. We did discuss off the record, of course, that all cyclists think triathletes are wankers. 
<laughs> I don't know how generalised that is, though. Well, and after um, the, might... the, the, the same thing, you can edit that out. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> No, no, I'll definitely keep it that in. I'll send you some socks. Yeah, that's that's what you need to bring in. Some sort of. Uh, but uh, what socks. length are they though? Are they are they to the it's correct millimeter? Okay, <laughs> very good. Look, it's been a really interesting insight into a sport that I think has a lot of synergies with what what we love about about all things cycling as well and uh, hopefully there'll be a few people listening but uh, triathletes do go on the turbo as well and the podcast is something for the turbo so i'm sure there'll be lots of people listening that uh, will be interested in giving a go or learning a little bit more do get in touch if you have any questions and stay in touch and please let us know when new events come out so we can let everyone know thanks jules good stuff thanks for having me on there's been a few podcasts where i've i've offered to um to to go and do something at the end of it but i, I can't see myself <laughs> in, the, in the immediate future putting my hand up for, for an extra but you never know watch this space well you can always volunteer to come and be part of the organization you can you can you know drive one of our sponsored land Rovers about and look cool <laughs> yeah that, that that sounds quite appealing actually there, there are a couple of people that i might nominate on my behalf as uh, all right Excellent. Excellent. cool awesome all right thanks for your time and we'll catch up soon good man cheers Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.